Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I think I'm going to need to do some jumping jacks. Wake up a little bit after that. That was, that was very good. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retitle this morning's sermon, right? I don't normally like sermon titles anyway, but it's Crucify with Christ was what it's called. I'm going to call it Too Big for Your Britches. I heard that a lot growing up as a kid. Boy, you get too big for your britches, which is funny because I was always too big for my britches. I was wearing huskies at age five. You know what I mean? So, amen, I hear that. Um, you know, like, boy, you're getting too big for your britches. Well, you know, Ben, I can't really say you're getting too big for your britches because he's like, I might still fold him up and put him in my pocket. If y'all have never met my four-year-old Ben, five-year-old Ben, good catch, honey. Oh, uh, Listen, when you got more than three kids, you, you can't be expected to know all that stuff, right? Um, so, when, uh, so my five-year-old Ben, who looks like a three-year-old, um, he, he's a little thing, but he, his thing is, and we've been hearing this for a while now, basically, as he has learned English, I think his favorite phrase is, I do it. I do it myself, right? And so he'll come down, we'll say, hey, Ben, go get dressed, and he'll come downstairs in a... In a bright orange shirt with bright green shorts and rain boots, right? You know, and, and like, there's days where they're sitting, I just go, hey, let's roll with it, you know? We didn't have to dress him, you know? But there's other days where he'll come downstairs, and, and, and I, think every, I think everybody's done this at some point where you're putting, up, you're putting on the button-up shirt, and you don't even realize it, but you got him completely out of line, you know? And Ben will come downstairs, and he's so proud of himself for getting dressed, and his shirt's completely out of whack, you know? And, uh, and you try to help him, and I do it! I do it! And, man, he will get fighting mad. I do it! You know, I mean, he's just, I mean, it's like, he's a killer, you know? Um, just trying to help you. I think sometimes, I think sometimes in, in our culture, especially in the South, we have this, we have this, we take pride in the idea that we can do it that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and that we work hard. And if you try hard enough, if you fight hard enough, if you push, if you strive, if you work, you can do it. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm going to preach a message this morning that goes completely in the face of that. Because let me tell you, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you fight, you cannot live this Christian life based on your own ability. You cannot live out the gospel. You cannot be good enough. You cannot love Jesus enough. You can't love other people enough based on your ability alone. Now, this doesn't get you off the hook for trying. This doesn't get you off the hook for giving it your best and giving God the best of who you are. But it's a partnership. It's, it's a partnership between you and God. And let's be honest, he's the one who carries the partnership. He's the one who makes it happen. So this morning, I want to I wanna challenge that, that self-independence that we thrive on so much. And I want us to challenge ourselves with what the Word says about living out the gospel. And, and maybe just a shift, a change in the way we think about how we live. So this morning, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Now... When Paul wrote the letter to the church in Galatia, Paul did not put chapters, okay? Paul did not have verses when he wrote this, he just wrote a letter. So last week we were talking about hypocrisy and how, 
how Paul directly confronts Peter with his hypocrisy and how Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles and eating what the Gentiles eat and following their customs. And then some Jews from Jerusalem come in and all of a sudden now Peter's too cool for high school, right? He's too cool to hang out with the Gentiles. Peter goes back to hanging out with the Jews and kind of shuns the Gentiles. And then Paul calls him out in front of everybody about his hypocrisy. And we talked about how in the church, we need to get a little bit better at calling each other out about our hypocrisy so that we can live out the gospel consistently and faithfully. We talked about that last week. We are piggybacking on that theme today. So we're still in the middle of Paul talking about his confronting Peter when we get into verse 15. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Wow. So Paul, coming right out of the gate, he said we are saved by faith and not by works. We see this in verse 15. And 16, we are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. We are not justified by works of the law. So when we go back and we look at the over 300-something laws that are in, that are in and, and depending on how you break it down, some people say there's over 600 laws, Right? that are in the Old Testament, when we look at those laws, all the do's and don'ts. Man, we love a list of do's and don'ts. It makes things so much easier, right? So if I could give you a checklist for every situation, for every scenario, for everything that you face in life, and say, here's the do and don't. So you pull up to an intersection, and there's a homeless man at the intersection, and he's got, um, and he's got a sign up asking for money. Well, let me give you a checklist of why you should or should not give this guy money. Let me tell you how you handle this situation and this situation and this situation. We just want a straight list of do's and don'ts, right? And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't always give us the do this and don't do this. What the Bible does give us is a, a series of how do we love the Lord and live out the gospel? How do we love God and how we live? That's what God's word calls us to do and it's not always situational and there's not always a checklist of yes or no's there is absolutely a sense of right and wrong please don't hear me say that i'm saying there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong and there is absolute truth but it's not always is it's not always so easy to say you know there's not a checklist 
Does that make sense? I'm coming back to that. There's not a list of do's and don'ts. So when you're living out the Christian life, you can say, and this is what they would do, this is what the law followers would do. They would say, well, I haven't, you know, I haven't lied. I haven't gossiped. I haven't, I haven't done, you know, this bad thing. I haven't killed anybody today. So I haven't broken the law. But sometimes it's not just a matter of what you don't do. Sometimes it's, it's, it's what you do. And sometimes it's not what you do. Sometimes it's what you failed to do. You failed to love your neighbor. You failed to, to, to reach out to somebody who was different than you. You failed to... All that to say this. Let me, let me simplify. We are not saved by what we do. We are saved by what Christ did. So you're not saved because you checked off a list. You're not saved because you didn't do these things and you did do these things. It's not a matter of checking off anything. It's not a matter of how many gold stars you get when you get to heaven. It's a matter of the crown of thorns that was on his head for your sins. It's a matter of the blood that he spilled on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins. We are justified. We are saved not by the works of the law but by grace through faith in Christ. And that's it. That's what it all boils down to. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And that's, you know, the whole, the whole theme as we go through this is the, is the freedom in Christ, is the, the idea that we're free, we've been set free from the bondages of sin. And sometimes we talk about, well, you have to be saved, but then after being saved, you have to get baptized. And after you get saved, then you have to do this. And you have to dress a certain way and talk a certain way and watch certain movies and, and listen to certain music and blah, blah, Man, you better get on with all that. Listen. Love Jesus and love people. Man, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you are saved. If you have a coronary before I get to dunk you, you are still going to heaven. Okay? It's, 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 it's just Jesus. It's not Jesus and anything else. It's just Jesus. And then from there we see that the word justified appears four times between verses 16 and 17. He says, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus, this was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ in a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. Let me say this. Justified equals righteous. To be made righteous. So if I could take your sin... Don't worry, I don't have anybody's sins ready to go. But if I could take your sin and put it up here on the screens for everybody to see, let's just be honest, ain't nobody in this room that I could fit your sin on two screens, right? Um, but if I could put your sin where everybody could see it, for the whole world to see, and I said, hey, listen, a huge billboard, ginormous billboard filled with your sins. And I gave, you a, I gave you a brush and some, some Dawn soap, because that fixes everything, right? Um, and I say, have at it. You couldn't even make a comma disappear, right? You couldn't make anything disappear, but the fact is, is that through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ, 
all of your sins are wiped away. They are gone. You have been justified. You have been made righteous. We who are not righteous, right? We who have sinned tremendously. We who do not deserve righteousness. We who are guilty have been made righteous by him who never sinned. He took our place. That is the good news. That is the gospel that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of Christ. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. We are made righteous through Christ. So then, let me, let me piggyback on this idea. Look in verse 18. He says, If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. So why in the world? Let me, let me show you what that means for us. So when you were lost and dead in your sin... When you were an enemy of God, that's what Romans calls us, as enemies of God. So when you were at war with God, you were living in rebellion, you were far from Christ. Had you have died right then, you would have gone to hell. In that moment, in that moment when God's grace shined down on you and he called you to repentance, he poured out his grace on you and you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you were saved. In that moment, you went from death to life. In that moment of surrender and submission to Christ, what happened? Follow me on this. What happened? Because do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? Do you remember the joy of your salvation? Do you remember in that moment when you truly experienced grace and forgiveness and all you wanted was to know more of Jesus? You wanted to know more about Jesus. You wouldn't shut up about Jesus. You would tell people about Jesus. You were inundated. You were obsessed. You had a holy obsession about Jesus. And, and loving people... And understanding the kindness and the grace and the forgiveness that, that Jesus gave to other people. And, and reading the stories in the gospel and trying to live that out and, and just soaking it up. And somewhere, somewhere in there between that moment and now, we, we learned how to speak church and ease, right? We learned a bunch of churchy words and we throw them around, you know, I'd say liberally, but that's a dirty word in here. You know, we, we, learned a bunch of, we learned a bunch of dirty words, not, not dirty words, we learned churchy words. Some of y'all learned dirty words, see. Uh, we learned a bunch of churchy words, and we throw them around, justification, sanctification, you know, um, propitiation. And, we, and we, we got puffed up, and, and we have to dress a certain way, Right? And we, we listen to certain music and we avoid other music. And we, man, some, somewhere in there, we got too big for our britches. We started trying to make this life of living for Jesus from moment to moment about 
following rules and, and doing certain things and not doing other things. And, and, it, and it stopped being about pursuing Jesus and loving Jesus and bringing other people to Jesus. And it, it started becoming about us and, and what songs we sing on Sunday morning. And it became about, about you know, should we, should we have this in the foyer or should we have this in the bulletin or should we... What in the world? It is not about any of that. Somewhere along the way, in church life, we get so hung up on our own preferences and our own wants and our own likes and our own dislikes that at some point in there, we, we completely miss... This one question, what does Jesus want? What does Jesus call us to do? Who does he call us to be? Who does he call us to reach and to love? Is it people that just look like us? Is it people that talk like us? Or did Jesus die on the cross for anybody who would receive that grace? Brothers and sisters, my my challenge to you is this, is you know, David, David, after he has this horrible sin with Bathsheba and, and has Uriah killed and does all these really bad, bad things, he gets confronted by the prophet Nathan and he gets smacked in the face with his sin. Go back and read 2 Samuel if you want to read that story. And, and he, and he, there, but there's a psalm and he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And we've talked about this before. Brothers and sisters, there are some of you in this room who need to experience the joy of your salvation all over again. Because somehow in there, our sanctification, another big churchy word, in meaning that our growing to be more like Jesus, our growing in our relationship with Jesus, and our growing in the family and becoming more like the family that God has called us to be, somewhere in there, It became about us and our preferences. And it stopped being about Jesus. And this may not be you. But before you dismiss it, you better make sure it's not. Don't get too big for your britches. Realize that that this life and, and this Christian walk four times, four times the word justified is used to be made righteous. Let me ask you this question, brothers and sisters. Is there anyone in this room who made themselves righteous? Is there anybody in this room who saved themselves? Not a one. So then let's remember who made us righteous by shedding his blood. Let's remember who made us righteous. And as, we, as I'm going to challenge your perspective even further, this morning I want it to be your heart's cry. I want the cry of your heart to be, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That I can go out there and live the life of a disciple. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let me live as the righteous. Not as the Pharisee. Not as the judge of my brothers and sisters in Christ. But as the brother or the sister to my brothers and sisters in Christ that we work together, we love each other, we serve, we grow so that we honor our God and King. None of us made ourselves righteous. None of us could justify our own sin. 
But every single one of us who has been saved, every single one of us in this room who have been saved, have received that grace and that mercy, not based on any merit that came from you, not because you were good enough, not because I was good enough. Lord knows I wasn't good enough. Not because I was, not of anything good in me, but consistently, overwhelmingly, because of God's love and grace and mercy shown to me who did not deserve it. Do not rebuild what you tore down. So in other words, this, if you got saved by grace through faith in Christ, do not impose legalism on other people. Do not impose legalism on yourself. Do not buy back into this system of do's and don'ts and checklists and all that other nonsense. It's not about gold stars. Live every moment to the glory of God in His grace. Every moment. That's it. That's it. Don't go back to the old way of doing things. <coughs> this is where I'm going to tell you to stop trying so hard. Let's read verse 19 through 21. For, the, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. And listen, this next verse, I mean, you need to highlight it, bedazzle it, circle it, neon signs pointing to this verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hold on a second now. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can we say that? For I have been crucified with Christ. And that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Can you say that this morning? It is a daily, it is a moment by moment crucifying of the self. When we go out into the world, when we go out in the, let me, <laughs> this is a good question. How many of y'all wake up feeling Christian in the morning? How many of y'all, your Christianity doesn't kick in till two cups of coffee, Right? Amen. And so that's the thing is like we don't wake I don't wake up in the morning and like my 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 Captain Christian cape is flapping behind me when I get out of bed. That don't happen. Right? I don't wake up feeling like super Christian. Let's be honest, at no point during the day do I feel like super Christian, right? There are days where I feel like super failure. That I didn't get it all right. You don't get it all right. We don't get it all right. But we strive and we fight. So let me, let, me, let me say this. When I say stop trying so hard, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about your ability to love people more. It's about your willingness to let Christ love people through you. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's about wanting to connect with the Christ who lives in you. It's not about being good enough. It's about connecting with the God who is all good. 
It's not about trying harder as much as it is about abiding in Christ. John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branch. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Not a little bit. Not, not, a, not, not even a smidgen. Nothing. But if we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. We will do great things for the kingdom of God. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. How is Christ alive and living in you? We have to live out our obedience and faithfulness and love and grace, not in our own ability, but but abiding in Christ. There's a psalm that I read this week, I think it's Psalm 130, where he says, as a weaned child longs for its mother, so my soul longs for you, Lord. As a weaned child, a child who, he's not going to mama for milk, he's not going to mama for substance, he's going to mama for warmth. He's going to mama for love. As a weaned child, abiding in Christ is about going to God and staying in God's presence, living Everything we do, abiding in the presence of Christ. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about the checklist and the gold stars. It's about the eternal God of creation who loved you so much that he gave his only son so that he could have a relationship with you. It's not just fire insurance. It's not just so that you don't go to hell. It's about living that life now. It's about loving others through Christ now. It's about letting Christ love other people through you now. We need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. We need to get back to that place where our heart beats for Jesus. Where our heart longs to connect with other brothers and sisters in Christ and to find encouragement in the body. We need to get back to that place where we just want to learn and grow and we want to foster that intimacy with the Lord so that when we get out there and we meet people who don't know Jesus, who've never met Jesus, who don't understand the miracle that is grace, when we go out there and we connect with those people, it just comes out of us. Not because it's your obligation, because it's your obsession. I tell you what, when hunting season comes around, my neck swells up. I start rubbing my head on the door frames, chasing Lucinda around the house. Awful. You don't have to ask me if I'm ready for hunting season, right? I'm ready. It becomes an obsession sometimes. Man, if Jesus was our obsession, nobody would have to ask us. Nobody would have to come to us. It would be the beat of our heart, and it would, it would just pour out whenever we come into contact with people. I'm just saying, love Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. And die to yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now there's a huge question. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So let me ask you a question. This life that you now live in your body, 
What in the world do you do that requires faith? How are you living out your faith? And don't tell me you got a Christian bumper sticker because you probably need to take that off. I've seen some of y'all drive. Right? Don't tell me you, you, you're repping the Christian t-shirt so you got the Christian wristbands or, you know, you're thumping some Christian music in your car. Those, those aren't bad things. And feel free to wear your Christian t-shirts, wristbands, thump your music. It's great. Go for it. But does it come out of your mouth? Does it affect the way that you, that you love sacrificially, that you give sacrificially, that, that you're all about God's mission and purpose? Live by faith. And here's why. Let me give you the motivation. The life, I, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved you. He loves you. It has not ended. Christ's love for you has not ended. He loves you. He gave himself for you. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The whole point was, Christ accomplished for us that which we could not accomplish on our own. Christ did for us. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. What the law could not do. We could not keep the law. We cannot keep the law. There is no person in history who could keep the law other than Jesus. No one. So let me tell you what the law really does. The law defines just how screwed up you are, right? No matter how good you think you've got it on the outside, no matter how well you think you've got it put together on the outside, the reality is that all those laws in the Old Testament really define just how screwed up we are as people, right? But it also shows the glory of God that in Jesus Christ, Jesus could follow the entire law, never break one, never sin, and he who never sinned, died on the cross to forgive us all of our sins, past, present, and future. So this morning, my, my challenge to you is twofold. Twofold. First, no doubt, there are those in this room who have never experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been here for decades but you've never actually given your life to Jesus Christ. You may have prayed a prayer, you may have walked an aisle, filled out a card, got dunked, whatever you want to call it. You may have done all those things, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've always tried to do it on your own. You've tried to be good enough. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be good enough. If this morning God is calling you to salvation, then I want to encourage you to step out and let's have a conversation. Let's talk about giving your life to Jesus, submitting yourself to him, asking for grace and forgiveness, and walking away righteous. Bring your baggage, bring your sin, bring your shame, bring all of it, and walk away completely clean and completely righteous. That's what salvation is. Some people in this room today need that righteousness. And then there's other, others of us in this room who've just forgotten what it meant to be in love with Jesus. And this morning, in, in maybe in an act of submission, 
Maybe just between you and God. Maybe it's right where you sit. Maybe you want to come up here and, as, a, as a, like I said, an act of submission and bow the knee and, and just talk to the Lord and ask him, pray that same prayer. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. You need to fall in love with Jesus all over again so that it permeates everything that we do out there. That we can love people to Jesus and we can let Jesus love people through us. This morning, will you submit your life? Can you say, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this morning, the invitation is really simple. It's a two-part invitation. Get saved or get right. That's it. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to move as the Holy Spirit leads you this morning.